Hello. Welcome to Edition. Thank uh, you. Yeah. This, this is... Yeah. This is thinking like a lawyer. It is. Okay. Really? I'm, yeah. Is I'm, that how you think, like a lawyer? I'm Joe. That's P- weird. I'm Joe Patrice <laughs> uh, from Above the Law. That's Catherine Rubino. We're also joined, as usual, by Chris Williams. Uh, we're all from Above the Law, and we're here to talk to you about the week in law, which was another one of those whirlwind weeks. So we've got a lot to cover. Uh, but obviously, we usually begin with small talk. talk. Yeah. See how natural that was, and you didn't have to like use any sound. Do you not? Words? Do you not like the trumpet sound effect? Is that the deal? <clears throat> I'm not going to say anything because then you're going to hit it. There, maybe we'll do that one. <laughs> oh my! Please word. tell me that's something like you recorded, like <laughs> acapella, and then played back because that was different. That was not me. Uh, but oh, that is a sound effect. Yeah, <gasps> I was hopeful. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So that, right. that is all right. That is our sound for small talk. Well uh, then. So, yeah. So what's what did up? you do this weekend, Joe? Uh, str- I struggled to do random household chores. Uh, that was most of my time. Uh, I'm having the, I'm having a bad time of it, but hopefully it'll all come back around. You know, just situations where, where the things that are supposed to work aren't working. But you know, I'm oh. someday maybe I'll be handy. Whatever. There's an old saying that goes, uh, it do be like that sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> so, How about you, Chris? What, what was your weekend like? Uh, two things. So first, you know, just in the spirit of uh, transparency in the legal profession, I went to a doctor on Friday and was diagnosed with uh, moderate to severe depression, oh. uh, which was a weight off my shoulders because for like for the last uh, 10 or 11 so years, I was like, something seems off. <laughs> but I was like... Wait, you know what? I really do miss having a zest for life, and I have health insurance now. Maybe I should, <laughs> maybe I should go to a doctor. Um, so health I got insurance that. is amazing, like that, right? And uh, I got, I think it's called um, Sertraline. It's like a like a non brand version of a uh, Zoloft, and it's super easy, super easy to like afford. So even if I do have a um, health insurance change, it should be fine. But yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's easy to look at like the data in the profession and be like, oh, this is a thing that people, a lot of people struggle with, but it's different to make the jump to be like, oh, Steve down the hall, you know? <laughs> yeah, um, right. So that was the first thing. And the second thing was I ordered a memory foam beanie yeah, bag just, chair. Oh. Yeah. So that's coming. Nice. Nice. Uh, so you haven't got it yet. So you, you don't have any reviews yet for us. It's supposed to be in today. Okay. And, okay. And luckily for you, Joe, and the viewers listening, it's not in yet. Because if it was, I would not be here. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I'd be beanbagging it up. Maybe you just have to change your podcast setup to mean that you can be in the beanbag chair as you're recording. You know, this is why it's it's great to have smart coworkers. Kind of. Because the chair I'm in sucks right now. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Okay. Amazing. How about you? I actually judged the finals of a high school debate tournament. It was the International Public Policy Forum, I think, IPPF. Uh, it's a high school thing. It's sponsored by the Brewer Foundation. You know, law, uh, lawyers started the, the whole foundation. As in Brewer and Associates. Correct, so what, yeah, correct. Yeah. Um, Bill Brewer was on the final round panel with me, um, as well as 
former NYU law school dean, uh, John Sexton, also former president of NYU, the Stern dean, and another debate coach. There's five of us on the panel, and it was a bunch of high school kids, uh, and it was a $10,000 prize at the end. So Ooh. although I've judged a bunch of debate rounds in my life, I've never judged one that was worth $10,000. So yeah. a little extra pressure, but uh, you know, we handled it. So it was, it was a lot of fun, and uh, it starts as a written competition, and then the f- uh, from the elite eight on is oral debates. So I got to be the final, one of the final round panelists. And that was a lot of fun. Oh, it's oh, not, cool. is it, is it 10 K like for the team or like for the school or how's that so I, break down? Five, five for the school, five for, I used to judge the written part of this years ago. So mm-hmm. five for the school, five for the team. Mm-hmm. And then second place gets 3,500 or something For the like school. That. Yeah, for the yeah. school. Yeah, yeah so I think from the Elite nice. Eight on, there are cash prizes for the school and mm. the, the individualized cash amounts of money are scholarship-based. Nice. High school, is it? Yep, mm-hmm. high schoolers. So it's super there fun. A, is there like an age limit on that? Because I've been, because I have been missing school recently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, high school. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like your law degree probably puts you out of the range of it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, That's- but it was, it was nice because, you know, it was a bunch of, Obviously, the pipeline between debate to lawyer is alive and well. And uh, so there's a bunch of uh, law folks on the panel and in the audience and stuff like that. So that was really kind of a fun moment as well. Cool. All right. Yeah, it was pretty fun. It was, my, it was a good Saturday. Maybe good we, we should uh, get into the conversation, I guess, of, of law stories then uh, with that intro of the, uh, the pipeline. <laughs> Ending small talk. That's going to take a minute to get used to, you guys. so bad. That's going to take a minute. I'm not sure if I love it or I mean, look, I can bring back the trumpet if you want. That's okay. I mean, like, that was was campier than, dare I say, some of the law review submissions. Ooh. Ooh, Well, oh, oh, yes. No, uh, so we have law review uh, uh, submissions in, which we've been talking about. uh, So some... Fun times, not a ton of them this year, but uh, the voting goes on on those. Uh, you know, I can repurpose the trumpet because you know what came out last week. Oh, God, you're going to tell. In this case, that's the fanfare for the Amlaw 100. Ah. <laughs> well, in fairness, the Amlaw kind of 100 this year does kind of deserve a little bit of fanfare. There's some crazy. I mean, we've, we've talked generically about. Oh, Big Law's having a good year. Lots of people are hiring, super busy. But to actually kind of see it broken down into numbers and stats is a little, yeah. I mean, 2021 was a good year for Big Law. Every single member of the Amlaw 100, so the top 100 firms by gross revenue, uh, had an increase in revenue over the year before. 52, 52, more than half of the Amlaw 100 makes over a billion dollars in gross revenue. Jesus. Billion the number of firms that make over $2 billion, 15. It's a lot. It's hmm. a real lot. As has been true of the last five years, Kirkland is still in the first place in terms of gross revenue. Um, Latham is second with, with staggeringly large numbers. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's the, the, we had a, the big law had a, had a good year. Although, of course, no story about the good economic times is complete unless someone is there pouring a bunch of water on the situation. People are starting to worry that what happens after the good times end, after this kind of billing frenzy ends, that law firms are hiring 
at such a pace that the average sort of billables for those groups, they won't have enough hours or enough work to go around to have, you know, whatever their hours requirements are for the group in the, you know, relatively near future. And should that happen, big law's favorite way to deal with that is stealth layoffs, which are the worst. Yeah. So stealth layoff is a situation where they start laying people off, but don't call it a layoff. They start manufacturing reasons why somebody hasn't quite made it to the performance standards that they want. And so they are being fired, not laid off. But it's really mm-hmm. when once, you know, 10% of the workforce gets mysteriously fired this way, we call it a stealth layoff. Now that said, it strikes me as hard to imagine that we're at that point yet. I'd, I'd also so the AMLA 100, obviously, it brings out uh, the gross revenue numbers of all these big firms, which mm-hmm. Catherine already reported are giant. They also, though, have some breakdowns of profits per equity partner and sure. stuff like that. I, like, it's truly, it's not just that these firms are bringing in a lot of revenue, but they're incredibly profitable, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, the costs, even though costs are the thing that goes up when you start paying associates more, uh, it's not going up to a point where it's a real problem yet. I mean, you have to go down in the AMLOB 100 organized by profits. You have to go down to 18th place to find somebody where their profit margin wasn't over 50%. Uh, And you got to go down to 35th to get anybody below 40. It's just absolutely massive, the profit margins that firms are pulling in right now. And when you take that into account that the associate salary bumps as extreme as we have we have felt that they were like at least based on where they had been stuck for a few years it's just there's a lot of slack to go before these firms really start feeling the pinch so one would hope that layoffs aren't in the offing because as i always say when times go bad uh, you just you just convert to doing bankruptcy work so <laughs> so yeah so that's what's going on is there a benefit to this stuff layoff supposed to just being upfront about it yeah, not not having above the law write a story about how you're laying people off. That's yeah. actually the benefit. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, and you know, there's a, oh, it's not the financial health of the firm. There was performance issues with those associates. We yep. just let go the fo- people who couldn't hack it in big law. Right. And then you can blame them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it really does. It really does a number on these poor folks because they now go out That's to try. Truth. Now they go out to try and find a new job and they don't have oh, they were laid off, they have, they were fired for performance issues, so it makes it harder on them on the back end. It's it's all around a bad way to handle it. If you're going to lay people off, you know, take the PR hit, but whatever. And just be honest about it. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's kind of one of the bigger kind of motivations of having a website like Above the Law, right, is transparency and get forcing firms to be honest about stuff, which is why we write about things like stealth layoffs. They try to hide, we try to find it because- Transparency is important. Yeah. So, hey, uh, let's transition from that to mock trial teams that Chris has seen in his life. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Listen, um, Washu was a good time. <laughs> I won't name any <laughs> names, um, but I've seen some uh, I've seen some questionable openings. Um, yeah. Not, of course, not all the trial team members. They, they're, they ended up doing very well. Also, shouts out to uh, Judge Mason. Who, if he has a spare time, might want to give Amy Hurd's uh, Amber, Amber Hurd's? Yeah, Amber. I don't know why. I don't know why. I, keep, I just have wax. Yeah, you on keep the brain. going back to Amy. I don't know. But I got Amber. wax on the brain. I'm yeah. just expecting. <laughs> oh you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Nice. 
Amy Amber Heard's <laughs> lawyer should have done a better job listening in trial team if he was there. There was a point where he asked uh, someone a question, and once they began to answer the question he asked, he objected to it because <laughs> it was going in the wrong direction. I'm not sure if you've seen Johnny Depp in person, but I think he's about the same height as a. Wasn't Napoleon also five foot seven? Five, yeah, or, oh, I mean, or or around. Napoleon wasn't that short, but Johnny Johnny Depp is no Shaq. He's more of a Kevin Hart, if you if you're being honest. Yeah. Um, and there was a there was a there was a there was a point where Amber got it. Amber Heard's yep. attorney was like, "Oh, you were you to to Depp? You're like, oh, you're significantly larger than." Her right, and he was like, "I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that." <laughs> and, and even she had to uh, stifle laughter. The whole celebrities working through the, the the court system thing is ridiculous to me. I think at some point there were like alpacas out front of the courthouse. Like, just what happened to Toyotas? You know, I'm a simple man. It certainly seems as though her attorney is struggling a little bit with the weight of the moment. Beyond that, we have there there. The other story to come out of this trial is that some other attorneys are uh, facing some kind of serious questions, which is that the the editorial that is the basis of this trial, uh, it turns out, was ghostwritten by the ACLU, which has forced a lot of people to question why the ACLU got involved in this in the first place. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, you know, the allegations in it of abuse are serious, but not quite an ACLU issue, uh, mm-hmm. one wouldn't think. There's several people who say, I give money to the ACLU to fight for various civil liberties. This seems like this was a poor decision of uh, how to use their resources, especially if it turns out that this is a defamatory editorial. So that that's the other half. So it seems like uh, Amber seems to have all sorts of attorney issues surrounding her cases. Well, there was at least a, a theoretical reason, right? Which is that Amber Heard had pledged half of her divorce proceeding proceeds to go to the ACLU that she has not fulfilled, by the way, right. to be clear. There was some mm. money donated in her name. A small percentage of it was actually from her. A uh, larger percentage, uh, they believe, is from Elon Musk. Is from a, a Vanguard account. They believe it was controlled by Elon Musk because he's her ex-boyfriend. And also, there were some emails between Musk and the ACLU at the time, whatever. But the point is that sh- she promised millions of dollars to the ACLU. The ACLU tried to help her out during, you know, that moment and has not received what they were told. And she never signed the official pledge agreement and, and all this other stuff. So, yeah. So very messy. Yeah. Messy. It seems messy. like a real mess. If you're one of those people out there who's not a lawyer and are trying to figure out how the law works by watching this particular trial, <laughs> uh, you should probably change the channel. Uh, <laughs> Unless you're trying to figure out hearsay, watch Johnny Depp. Right. That's true. We did talk about that That's last true. week. That's true. Uh, but I will say earnestly that watching my cousin Vinny gives you a better <laughs> example of how to lawyer than yeah. the actual lawyers right. in this case. Uh, but anyway. Oh. Uh-oh. Oh. Bones ready. Oh, you would get that. Oh, you gotta get no. that. Even well, though we're, we're in, in the, the middle. middle of something, yeah, but no. you know, so maybe you should the, get it. Yes. All oh, right. Well, oh, the, this maybe is, somebody can get it for you. Yes. Well, this is yeah, why virtual reception idea. is awesome. And that's Perfect. why uh, we're going to hear from our friends from Posh. As a lawyer, ever wish you could be in two places at once? You could take a call when you're in court, capture a lead during a meeting. That's where Posh comes in. We're live virtual receptionists who answer and transfer your calls so you never miss an opportunity. And the Posh app lets you control when your receptionist steps in. 
So if you can't answer, Posh can. And if you've got it, Posh is just a tap away. With Posh, you can save as much as 40% off your current service provider's rates. Start your free trial today at posh.com. All right, so what's next? talk about messy. Let's talk about messy. Let's talk about Ron DeSantis. Okay, what's what's up with that guy? So I've been very clear in other articles that I've written on Above the Law, my personal appreciation of Disney, Disney World. I'm going on vacation there later this year. I'm I'm a Disney person. I'm a Disney adult. Don't at me. I don't care. <laughs> but but Ron DeSantis has decided to pick a bone with Disney. Uh, I'm sure you've heard that he signed into law a, a thing to absolve to to do away with Reedy Creek, which is the county that Disney gets to self administer. Disney came out a couple of days ago after I'd written the original article saying that that would cost the state of Florida a billion dollars because of all the things that they pay for, uh, and there is a difference also in the uh, tax rate that Reedy Creek was is. Uh, allowed to, it's like a three times the maximum tax rate that any other county or city in the state can levy. So there's a difference in, t- in the amount of money, revenue they're able to create as well. And one of the ways that Disney, as most counties, right, have been able to finance uh, their debt is by doing bond offerings. Normal, all very normal. Except that in the bond offerings, the state legislator, the Florida legislator, said specifically that they would not disband Reedy Creek for the term of the bonds, which I believe the last one is still through 2029. And then the legislator legislature turned around and did exactly what they said that they wouldn't do, which is kind of a basic of contract law right there. And there was a bunch of cases, both state Florida state cases, as well as federal cases saying that states cannot change the law to the detriment uh, to get themselves out of bad contracts or good contracts or contracts of of any sort that they've already, Mm -hmm. you know, entered into. Um, The bond issuance would be one of them. So it's a bit of a sticky pickle that Florida has gotten themselves into. And that's, you know, not even counting the amount of money it would cost for the state to take over the responsibilities of administering that county, never mind the potential First Amendment issues that are involved, because it seems incredibly retaliatory, right? Like Disney did something that that Florida, that Ron DeSantis, not Florida, Ron DeSantis doesn't like, and all of a sudden there's a law that's been changed as a result. No, it seems retaliatory, but uh, there we go. Okay, cool. What? Nothing, they just... You, you went on for a really long time there, and I don't know if so there's any remaining thing to say about it. I have thoughts. Uh, you, I have thoughts. Yeah, I mean, you, you definitely did. I do did. have thoughts. Oh, um, okay. They are pressing and important, and I think our viewers are entitled to know. What's your favorite Disney movie, Catherine? Oh, great question. Uh, you know, I definitely have a recency bias problem, but Moana is probably in the number one spot. I just think that it's such a, a great movie. I love that there's there's it's not a romantic journey at all. Um, also, when you say Disney movie, I'm assuming that you're talking about the animated uh, oeuvre and not the entirety <laughs> of Disney, because then I'd have to consider all the Marvel movies and I guess oh now Star God. Wars, although the recent Star Wars movies don't even get me started on those. But, I, but of the animated genre, and I admit to very much having a recency bias, but I think Moana is probably the right answer. Although Encanto, woohoo. 
Loved that. Really, really, really enjoyed that movie. Um, well, that's, I have a soft uh, spot in my heart great. for. I have a soft uh, spot in my I heart just, for all I, the Winnie. Hey, the you know we're doing a show here. One more and thing. We're I running just, out of time. This, this is part like, of it. This is part of it. Like five more topics. Moment, uh, moment of silence for the viewers listening. That this is not a, a, a show with visuals because if you could just see Joe's response to yeah, <laughs> Catherine's so just it. joy. I wish y'all could see this. Oh. It was wonderful. I, What's that movie where it's like the the two hands on the face with the eyes on it? You know what I'm talking about? I don't, but that's amazing. <laughs> oh, I do. It's the one pan, la, pan, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Okay, yeah. We can just make this about we've, movies we've now. We turned this into the gong show, uh, <laughs> and we now have stopped this. So uh, the actual, getting back to the actual legals of this, uh, there is an interesting aspect to this in that DeSantis is a Harvard law grad, oh, which true. Uh, yeah. is probably... Gotcha. See, I did mention everything, Joe. You just gave yeah, me such probably, a snotty look yeah, that probably, I just over it, some yeah, of the I'm going to keep going. So probably a reason why uh, Harvard has dropped in this year's U.S. News rankings. That's basically uh, it, right? That's probably, probably it. it. Uh, but yes, so a Harvard law grad, uh, meaning that uh, a quick yeah, a very, very quick look at the statutes should have put a stop to this, uh, meaning that either he's the worst Harvard grad possible or he fully understands that this is not something that will stand any, uh, withstand any sort of court scrutiny. And he did it for the posturing effect and ultimately will have some sort of face saving move at the end in which nothing actually happens. But that's troubling as a method of governance where we're passing laws that we know will never take effect for the pure performative PR, sure. PR value of yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, the truth is he, Ron DeSantis just wants a permanent space in Disney world. All of presidents. Oh, all yeah. of presidents. Oh, is so that's a, thing. yeah, that's a Disney kind of a, it's a Disney world. Yeah. Well, Disneyland too also has a hall of presidents, but I am personally partial to Disney world over land. I know that they're technically okay. more attractions. So, <laughs> so, you know, uh, while we're trying to have a show about I'm, law here. I'm having the show. Uh, you're having a thing. Uh, so let's transition uh, to talking about another thing that happened was Alex Jones's continued legal whatever are going on. He's obviously being sued for the damage that his lying about the Sandy Hook victims families has caused. Uh, he said that they weren't real and that Sandy Hook massacre didn't happen. Obviously, this resulted in them being harassed, so they are suing. He has tried, we talked before about he's playing bankruptcy games and trying to move around assets in some sort of an attempt to avoid litigation. Uh, the most recent event, though, has nothing to do with any of the bankruptcy stuff. Uh, it has to do with his lawyer. Mm -hmm. oh, uh, his his lawyer, who has been making some curious decisions in that he's telling the media that the reason they've declared bankruptcy with some of these entities is as a litigation strategy to cut off these people from having access to the actual rewards so for saying the quiet litigation. part out loud. Yeah, that not a thing that you usually do. You usually try not to tell newspapers that you're trying to undermine the proper organization of the entire justice system. But he did. Uh, he also, however, is an amateur stand-up and video of his amateur stand-up came out and he's, well, I, I, I think it's more fair to say we're leaning heavily into the amateur. <laughs> fair enough. So, so you were not impressed by his comedic stylings? No, it's interesting. White guys just using the N-word is not actually comedy. Uh, it's it, not. It, yeah, it's just people trying to 
say things that to offend people and act like it's act like it's funny. Was he auditioning Most, to be a law school professor? Oh, no, yeah, no. I mean, that's also a problem. Uh, in this instance, I don't think he would try to concoct some nonsensical use mention <laughs> dichotomy because I think he very much was trying to actually go ahead and use it. Uh, in this instance, though, so the the part that really got me as somebody, and I, I'm interested in Chris's thoughts on this because you've done some comedy stuff in the past too. It's like I've attempted. Yeah, it, it, the the part that really offended me. As a, I mean, offended on a lot of levels, but offended on a comic level is his attempt to try and say, look, George Carlin is the reason it's okay to offend people. And I was like, oh, oh, swing and a miss. You. Yeah. I, but, well, I mean, he, he tried to tried to invoke the concept of the seven words you can't say on television saying, and this is exactly like that, as opposed to Carlin's entire point, I would say, was to mock the idea of sexual taboos at the time because you know he doesn't include racial epithets in that list and they would have probably been on that list at the time but that's because carlin wasn't trying to have that conversation so yeah that that's the part that got me as a from a comedy perspective fair i mean there's a difference between saying like oh if you listen to beethoven's symphonies he would have really appreciated dubstep um, yeah. Given the way that he turned musical conventions at the time on their head, he would have an appreciation for using technological devices to make sounds never heard before. Cool. But when you're talking about a guy who could have did the thing when they were alive, no, a choice was made. <laughs> like there, I think there was a point. There was a reason like Carlin wasn't slurring. I mean, he had the he had the mm-hmm. opportunity to. He could have yeah. just did that if he wanted. Like it's like when people say. Oh, you know, with Martin, what Martin Luther King would have said? No, you don't. Like, like it's one of those things where, like, when people are in the wrong, they just quote a dead person because they know they can't speak on their behalf. It's like, I don't, <laughs> like, do better. Do better. I mean, I, you've also summed up the entire intellectual infrastructure surrounding originalism. So, good job. Uh, yeah. <laughs> when, whenever, when in doubt, quote dead people. But, yeah, it, it. It was problematic. It was also really bad in that, it, like, when you watch the video of it, it's clear also, like, the most disturbing aspects of it is that he's intentionally trying to turn the, like, using his platform to kind of isolate the black people in the crowd and kind of get the crowd to riled up against them. Uh, it was, it, it, it viewed very much as, like, the beginning of mob violence. So it, it was very disturbing, uh, but, you know, not unexpected given uh, who we're working with here. Fair enough. Yeah. I guess the only other thing uh, on this list of stuff is uh, Axios, which is a mm. media outlet that's uh, not very good at being a media outlet. <laughs> that's so, a shame. Yeah. shame. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. What are they good at? As far as I can tell, not much. Well, I being guess being wrong. I guess Jonathan Swan works there, and he does these kind of interesting interviews. But the outlet itself seems to be based around the idea of reducing any kind of coverage to the mo- to the lowest common denominator in a way that I, I think I wrote this. It makes the USA Today go whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, <laughs> it, That's too far. It's you know these we but ironically with all of their reducing everything to bullet points they end up making the story read more convoluted than it otherwise would which is problematic anyway they they put out a post the other day where they talked about trump judges who have been interjecting themselves into really 
disturbing and non and not really becoming of judicial behavior cases. Uh, you've got Judge Ho talking about how uh, you know backing up the idea that. Ketanji Brown-Jackson must be a lesser black woman. You have Kyle Duncan uh, writing some opinions, uh, mis actively misgendering people. You have Lawrence Van Dyke writing opinions in which he calls the other members of the Ninth Circuit criminals and possessed uh, by demons, which, you know, uh, things you oh, do you not go. normally expect to hear from federal judges. And Axios concludes this article with another, after outlining this, with another headline going, but... You know, Ketanji Brown-Jackson also cited the Federalist Papers, so in a way that, that was suggested Trump was wrong about something. So who amongst us has <laughs> cast a first stone, Yeah, really? right. I think she wrote, what, that presidents are not kings? Yeah. And that, it, that was mm -hmm. it. Yeah, it's that's citing basically a, the same the Tocqueville as, thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's basically the same. Blasphemous. Yeah. It was a fixation upon the kind of flattening of all discussion that these sorts of objective news sources seem to feel is the anti you know the antidote to partisan media it's nothing new i mean elon did the same shit with that thing he shared recently where it's like the oh the lefts are moving oh, yeah, to yeah. the left or like oh i'm just trying to be even handed it's like no you're you're not like <laughs> even listeners if you don't know this if anybody says they're moderate or like they're just or like they're just oh, just even had it. They're Republican. They're Republican. <laughs> it's it's known. You're either you're either so apathetic that you're dangerous at that mm -hmm. point, or you're just trying to cover up the fact that you're relatively right wing. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. Because right wingers uh, don't get right swipes on twin on Tinder. It's a thing. Mm -hmm. It's known. Yeah, they, but the problem for me with all of this is that when especially in a world where the judiciary is becoming particularly important uh, for the future, that a media outlet, partisan outlets, whatever, they're going to do, they're going to do whatever. But what's presents itself as a objective outlet, so irresponsibly, responsibly juxtaposing two things that are not in any way similar as though, well, shrug your shoulders, this is all the same. It's It's just irresponsible. And it's a problem and it's contributing to the you know lack of judicial literacy that the public has so you know and we talked about this with the amy coney barrett thing yep. where she tried to claim oh well we write all these like detailed opinions when she clearly knows that they do half this junk on the shadow docket per curiam with no signed opinions but that that sort of mentality when I, when we criticized that a few weeks ago is enabled by these sorts of media outlets that, you know, just kind of group everything together and say, eh, well. Case or all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, anyway. No, it's incredibly problematic. I, I think it's a really important thing to call attention to uh, when we see when we see it. But, oh, oh, no, we are we are we are screwed as a society. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I have to say about that. Well, we've run a little bit long because we had to endure. I uh, think people are going to appreciate my Disney thoughts. Are, <laughs> you, you think that? I mean. Well, listen. Oh, the kids do. For all the children listening to this legal podcast. And and we know that all our listeners are young at heart anyway. So. <laughs> there you yeah. go. That's what. Be, be, I, By I, the, speaking of Disney controversies, there was that whole thing where people are mad that they took out ladies and gentlemen and they're just doing like uh, dreamers and believers, oh. you know, children of all ages or something like that. And people are all mm. pissed about that because God mm. forbid we're inclusive. Yeah. No, <laughs> okay. Um, cool. That, that There's a lot to say. Okay. 
Uh, I, yeah. This is so, all just revenge for all the times Joe was able to use the sound machine <laughs> and Catherine had no response back. And I'm loving it. <laughs> so anyway, uh, yeah. So yeah, that was for all the kids out there listening to this explicitly tagged podcast. Uh, with that said, uh, thanks for listening. You should be subscribed to the show so you get new ones when they come out. You should leave reviews, stars, write something. Always helps. You should be reading Above the Law to see these and other stories uh, before we get a chance to chat about them. You should be following us on social media. I'm at Joseph Patrice. She's at Catherine One, the numeral one. Chris is at Rights for Rent. The blog itself is at ATL blog. These are all Twitter things. Obviously, who knows how long that lasts. We do have a Mastodon now. So there's that. Yeah. So uh, all of that's true. Uh, you should listen to the other offerings. Catherine's also the host of a show called The Chippo. Uh, I'm a panelist on the Legal Week Journalists Roundtable. No, no the, the legal... Legal week. The legal, thing. Legal, You've been listening all this time. Legal, you know the you thing. Know, you know, I made fun of you for this, and then I stopped, but I think I need to pick I, up. I had it, but, well, I wasn't on it this week, so, like, everything. So, everything so one and done? Literally, like, if it's not in your head, the, immediately The Legal gone? Tech Journalist Roundtable. And that, that my <laughs> friends, is proof okay. that bullying works. <laughs> <laughs> That's my gavel. Okay. Which we're going to have to reintroduce. Are uh, we? I think so, apparently. I'm not sure All right, that's so, accurate. Okay, and thanks to Posh for sponsoring the show, and I think that finally will conclude us for another Peace. week. Bye. See you next week, dreamers. Bye.